This is Keep It 100, a podcast from Spotswood Creative that is designed to keep it real and honest about worship practices in the 21st century. We want to help you work through those issues like choosing worship songs, leading as a volunteer, worship stereotypes, worship conflicts, and figuring out if the theology is right in that song you just love or if you should just put it away. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to Keep It 100. Uh, I think we are now on episode 13. Episode 13. Uh, we just came out of Worship War 2. Tyler made it through his first two podcasts with Spotswood Creative. And Woo. loving every minute of it. He's loving it. Um, but uh, now we're going to dive into Worship War 3. Drum roll, please. <laughs> and here we are. Worship War 3 actually is three camps, three different camps as opposed to two camps. Mm. So uh, in this in this Worship War, which I think this one is probably the most relevant Worship War that we're experiencing today Yeah. Um, in terms of the ones that we've discussed so far. There are other ones. But um, this one is, uh, and all of these are in quotes, okay? All of these should be in quotes. Emotional, quote-unquote, worship. Uh, musically intellectual worship and quote unquote theologically sound worship. So, in this worship war, um, this one's probably the most organic of the two that that are of the three that we've discussed so far. Like this is one that I've just kind of noticed at the three different uh, churches that I've worked at, which were um, the very first church that I ever worked at was you know at one point in time was running like. 2,000 to 2,200 on a Sunday morning. Uh, when that's I became church? That's my home church. Okay. Um, and then my the second church that I worked at um, ran about four to 500 on Sunday morning. And now the church that we currently, or Tyler and I both currently work at, uh, runs anywhere from, I would say, like 950 to a really good Sunday running like 1,200. Yeah. You know? Um and then, you know, like Easter Easter weekend, I think we we're running around. I think we hit like the 1800 mark or something like that. So we're kind of in between the two churches yep. that I've worked at. So, But at all three of these churches, I have experienced these small camps where there are people that are like, they don't, they don't necessarily identify with the camps that, that, that I'm going to say exist, but they recognize the other camps. Yeah. So, so like... They don't think they live in, in one of these camps, but they are the enemy of the other camp, essentially. Correct. So, like, if you've ever heard, man, I don't like going to that church because everything's just a big emotional high. Mm-hmm. I just don't understand why everything has to be emotional. Why does the music have to... You know, it's like this thing, <laughs> and 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 they people get grumpy about it. And then there's, like, these people's like, well, all they care about is musical excellence. All they care about is do they have the best musicians on the you know they do that and then my favorite camp um which I don't completely disagree um with this camp um but people uh do struggle with like oh all they care about is is uh theological soundness and they don't care about if it's functional for worship or not I know y'all love my... They all sound the same. They all sound the same. What do you know? <laughs> Maybe they're all the same. Mm. Maybe they all have the same kind of perspective with different perspectives. That's two to be determined, I guess. Yes, I guess that's two to be determined. So let's break down uh, the first camp. What is emotional worship, quote-unquote? Quote-unquote. Yeah. Because I don't know that we've really ever defined these things. I've just heard people talk about them. Um, I, I think these people do ask at some point, uh, how did the song make, make you feel? Mm. Um, I do think in their minds, they view it as did the Holy spirit move you or not? Yeah. They equate the two. Yeah. They equate the two and feelings are fleeting. I, I do buy that argument. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you buy that argument, Tyler? Oh, absolutely. You know, feelings are here and gone in a, a second. Yeah. But I I can go pinpoint moments in time in my relationship with God 
where a realization of who he is elicited a emotional response. Oh yeah, they're not unrelated. Yeah. We just can't depend on it. You can't it's like the whole argument of do you worship the creator or the created? Mm-hmm. Emo- emotions and feelings are created by us. Mm-hmm. They're elicited by us, but the creator is the one that actually created those feelings. So yeah. worship him, don't worship him. Well, yeah, feeling. am I seeking after the emotional emotional high? Yes. So I mean, I, I absolutely have had the same thing. I've been driving in the car, and, I, you know, people that know me know I'm a little bit more on the hard rock side of things. I like harder rock Christian music. So I remember listening to this uh, borderline metal band screaming at me about, like, living in sin, and I was, like, thinking about a particular sin that I was dealing with at that time and just yep. started bawling in the car, not because they were screaming at me. but <laughs> What was the band? Uh, Wolves at the Gate. Wolves Hi- at the Gate. Highly recommend. Theologically deep and musically interesting for a metal band. Very, very cool. Um, but, yeah, no, I just remember, like, driving to work, bawling, because I was just, like, at such a spot with that sin and realizing how much God l- loves me through that. So it's definitely not unrelated. I just had this mental image of emo Tyler, <laughs> like with like pale face and a tattoo tear in under his right <laughs> eye, listening to death metal driving down the road that is just theologically rich and <laughs> and you just shed one tear. Yeah, <laughs> with with uh had some eyeliner as a yes. black, black deer <laughs> with um, your eyeliner in the early two thousands. I could just see it. Yeah. Oh man! Yeah, quick side story without getting too far off track. Um, my old Facebook profile. Uh, there's a picture of me in my junior year of high school. Rachel and I, my wife, uh, we were dating at the time. Um, we we went to a Halloween party dressed as like a uh a rock star and like one of his fangirls. And I was like a hard rocker, so I did put guyliner on for that. And there's like five pictures, maybe. And all of my friends from college are like, "Whoa, Tyler had a phase." I was like, "A phase." It was like a three-hour phase, guys. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, so back to uh, what is emotional worship? I think another thing, another question that that this camp tends to ask is, did uh, did it or did the the worship elicit some sort of physical or mental emotional response from you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it kind of lends itself to what you're talking about. You know, you cried, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when things mean something to you, they do move you. Mm-hmm. So I, I do understand, I do understand this camp's perspective in that if if nothing moves you, then you're not being moved. Yeah. Like at some at some point, like, you know, they, they we joke around about some denominations. I will not mention them, but we joke around about some denom- denominations being the frozen chosen, <laughs> and and sometimes this deno- not this denomination, but some of these denominations, their churches tend to be very very small, and they never change, mm. and they do the same four hymns every week or the same four songs every week. And they blame it on like liturgy and things like that. That mm. that's what they're supposed to be doing. And you know, you go to their churches, and there's people not even standing up during worship. They're not even. They're not participating. Yeah, very interesting dynamic. So, sure. I that's where I do kind of understand this camp's perspective. Some it's like mm, I, I kind of get a little bit where you're coming from in terms of if you if you believe what you say you believe, isn't that going to elicit some sort of response from you? It's true. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing this camp might say is, did the worship service look and feel like my imagination says it it should look and feel? Um, uh, I think sometimes we create images in our mind of what is correct. And um, this is where... We all think we're right. Yeah, so like we joke around on our staff with about the Enneagram thing, and ones, twos, and threes uh, tend to create, you know we tend to create our own system of judgment in our head Mm -hmm. about what is right and what is wrong. And if anything conflicts with that, then it's wrong. Mm. And um, so this, this kind of, this camp kind of lend, in my opinion, lends itself to you're an Enneagram person, ones, ones, twos, and threes. Uh, Quick disclaimer about the Enneagram thing. No, I don't think an Enneagram is a good way to, 
uh, figure out everything about your personality and how it relates to Christ. I don't think that at all. I think the scripture should be that. Um, I just think Enneagram's just kind of fun. That's it. So don't dive off the deep end on that. I know some people get get wadded up about when you say the word Enneagram. Nah, it, just don't don't go off the deep end. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Don't don't create some sort of image in your mind of me mm-hmm. because I use the E word. Okay. Um, so, uh, the, the did, E-word. did the word, <laughs> sorry, I'm That's sorry. Good. I'm in a mood. I, I'm in a mood today. I'm sorry. Uh, did the worship service look and feel like my imagination says that it should look or feel or my, or my morality says it should look or feel or my emotions say that it should look or feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I say morality, I'm not talking about scripture. I'm talking about like in your mind, what you think is right or wrong, whether it compares to scripture or not. Um, that did worship line up with that mm. um it's very much it, emotion emotion quote unquote emotional worship seems to be somewhat consumeristic driven yeah somewhat yeah no i i have to i have to deal with this week in week out from a production standpoint like i have to try to deal with what's the line between trying to draw out people's emotions and trying to limit distractions and also just trying to make something that's beautiful and functional and aesthetically pleasing well and what's what's the line between manipulation and yeah. and actually eliciting real response from theology yeah revelation of theology so that's a, that's a real thing um so that's that kind of encompasses that camp i think that's a good enough description for what we're doing right now mm-hmm. uh the next one would be what is musically intellectual worship yeah okay um, the first thing I would say is that these people are going to ask themselves, how well was the music executed this Sunday? Mm-hmm. Did it exceed my expectations? Did it meet my expectations? Did it fall beneath my expectations? Did I notice any flubs? Yeah. Um, did that girl crack in the on that high note, or did that guy play in the lead guitar line? Did he, you know, he was supposed to hit an E flat and he accidentally hit an E, mm-hmm. you know? And, Idiot. Yeah, exactly. Just um, kidding. Um, it, uh, are the musicians excellent? Um, uh, how much do you rehearse? Mm. Listen, I, I've had conversations with, with worship pastors, Tyler, I want you to jump in here. I, I've had conversations with worship pastors that don't rehearse at all during the week. Mm-hmm. I've had conversations with worship pastors who rehearse right before the service, like 45 minutes before the service. I've I've had conversations with worship pastors who rehearse once during the week, and then I've had conversations with worship pastors who actually rehearse multiple times during the week. Oh dang! Um, um, and that is the multiple the the one consistent thing that I hear with the multiple rehearsals is we want to achieve musical excellence. We have fine musicians, and we want them to feel like their that their their work is warranted, and that their work is worth what they're putting into like and I, I hear it mm-hmm. i i hear that and i don't think that's wrong i do think you're going back to the consumeristic piece it's a little consumeristic yeah what are your thoughts yeah i mean so we we have to remember or we have to think about what is the purpose of our rehearsal um for me rehearsal is a way to help ultimately facilitate a service that's distraction free Yes. So that people, people can focus on the main thing, which is Jesus. Um, so we want to provide musical excellence. We want to not be perfect, but we want to try to avoid those situations where you come in and sound unrehearsed. Um, right. Now, I the church I was at previously, we only did we did do only Sunday morning, um, and it and it worked well. You had you had to provide materials ahead of time, and you had to give the expectation that if your people didn't come in prepared, they would be scheduled less. Yep. And so most of the time, people came in prepared. Um, that wasn't always the case. Um, but for the most part, it worked. What I like about having a, a midweek rehearsal, because we do here at Spotswood, is that it gives you room to be more flexible. Sure. What I mean by that is uh, as a musical director type mindset, um, I like the option to add a little bit of a little bit of spice to something by changing it up. Sure. Um, for people who go to our church and listen to the podcast, um, when we do... Um, my King Forever, 
Yep. Jo- Josh added this part where we do two breaks on the chorus after the bridge. Um, and I think it adds a nice little flavor. But like if we only did that, if we only practice Sunday morning, unless you have a long rehearsal Sunday morning, it's hard to facilitate those types of things. Correct. It's very difficult. The The creativity piece isn't there. Mm-hmm. So, so I understand I understand the perspective. Same way I understand the emotional worship perspective of that. If it's if if it's not moving you, then you're not moving. Mm. Well, if you're not if you're not if you're not putting in a lot of effort to make Sunday morning your best for the Lord, then what are you worshiping? Are you worshiping your time instead of you know, utilizing the gifts that God gave you to bring him glory? Or mm. are you worship you know, what what are you what is your priority um i guess with the emotional worship piece you know did the pendulum swing really really far one way and we just said forget the rest of it. it's kind of like when people had the whole you know it's really like back in the 90s we had this awful thing and i right right spirit wrong or right, right words wrong spirit um but it was like you know, all we care about is 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 the heart of that worship leader in the right place, and then they can't mm. carry a tune in a bucket, and they have a microphone in front of them for an hour. Yep. You know, um, and or, or or worse, you know, hey, I play drums, cool. Well, come up here, let's let's put you on drum set, and the guy's like done nothing but like played f- like air drums in his bedroom, <laughs> and um, and he can't. He can't play at all, but his, yeah. but he loves the Lord. Yeah, man, the yep. distractions you're creating. Well, and let's let's be transparent. God has gifted everyone somewhere. Yes. Everybody has that is in a relationship with Jesus has some sort of vocational gifting. I agree with that. But it might not be music and worship. Yes. It yes. It might be children's. It might be students. It might be college. It might be welcome team. And there and there's levels of intensity within worship ministry. Like yeah. there there are people within our worship ministry that are as vital worship leaders as I am that lead in the choir. Mm-hmm. But that's because the texture of their voice um or the experience that they have leading out front is not as advanced as say Rachel your wife mm-hmm. or um Shout Hannah my, Hannah my wife. Mm-hmm. Um Bailey, our our worship associate, um, Amy Burchick, who's been singing, who's been leading worship for a long, long time. You know, um, I think about um, a guy in our traditional service, Tommy Satterwhite's been singing, probably leading worship and singing longer than I've been alive. Mm-hmm. Well, um, you know, like he's going to fill in for me in the month of July. He's capable of doing that. He's capable of doing that. Mm-hmm. There's some people that just started singing or you know a couple weeks ago or they started singing in uh you know they've been singing in their car their whole life but nobody's ever heard them and so they come in audition and they're just not quite ready and that's okay mm-hmm. why don't you sing in the choir so you can build up your skill um yep and i, I think that's where the heart of the musically intellectual people that, that camp they just want things to be done with excellence uh but i think sometimes it swings too hard yeah, pretty much everything we're talking about is is pendulum based. Yes, we want to we want to land somewhere near the middle. Yes, and the problem with camp and there's two sides to every single one of these camps. There's two sides to the coin, and those two sides are essentially far right or far left, and neither is necessarily healthy. Correct. Well, okay, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about my previous church with this musical excellence thing okay. for a second. Um, my previous church. Um, doesn't matter because I know some people from my previous church listen to this this podcast. I'm not going to say who this worship pastor, music minister guy was. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter because uh, he was very well-intentioned. But when I first started at my previous church, I ran into this this guy. He was doing, um, he was doing a special service at our church for whatever reason. Um, and it, it, I'd only been there a couple weeks, and... He said, "Hey, you're you're the new you're the new music guy, right?" And I said, "Yeah, that's me." And he said, "Well, you and I need to go get lunch so I can tell you how music should be done at this church and the excellence that we used to do things with." Oh man! And 
Talk about intimidating. I, oh, wow. I'm sitting there going, now, wait a second. Like, now, he wasn't saying that about me. Right. He was saying that about, like, well, we're going to get this thing back to the way it was. And, 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 like, his way of doing things involved a lot of Bach, a lot of Beethoven, um, a mm. lot of, like, truly classical music. Oh, joy, man. Yeah, and and nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. I actually love that song. Yeah, it's fantastic. There's nothing wrong with that. But the pendulum had swung so hard because yeah. the more I kind of talked to him and I was like, so how do you know that worship happened on Sunday morning? And it's like, well, if it's like done really, really well and everybody worked really, really hard to pull it off, you know, I think that shows their heart for, I don't necessarily disagree with that. From well, the, but this, I'm, go ahead, sorry. But the classical form of musical excellence isn't the only way that that can happen. Well, and he, based on what you said, he said, um, that sounds like everybody working really hard. That sounds like the team that facilitated it was worshiping, but that doesn't sound like that's necessarily taking the congregation into account. Right. Well, and you, you may knock it out of the park and it's incredible. Yeah. And when people start applauding, they're applauding because you're quote unquote incredible. Yeah. Not because God's a great incredible. performance. Yeah. Right. Um, and I've sat through many, many a classical performance. And, I mean, there there is an element with classical vocalism that, like, unless you're trained in that element, it's hard to understand them sometimes. Mm. So, basically, what you end up applauding for is, is great execution mm -hmm. as opposed to a great savior. Yeah. And so, I think that's where this pendulum with musical intellect... You know, the is our it, it that's the pendulum swing is 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 there a certain kind of music that's only functional? Like okay, so let me use another an, a, a modern worship group yeah. as an example. If anybody's ever listened to Planet Shakers before, yeah, those guys can flat play. Mm -hmm. Like they have some of the, the tastiest licks on guitar mm -hmm. and their drummer is like disgustingly good. Mm-hmm. But I know that if I go, like for me personally, if I go watch them lead worship, I will be, I will flirt with being as much in awe of what they're capable of pulling off as I am with the God that I'm supposed to be worshiping. Yeah, in I'd worship probably be service. staring at the guitar player or the drummer the whole time. Right. Not because, and that's not saying that they aren't worshiping. And there's not, that's not saying there's not a place for it. Mm -hmm. But I know for my day-to-day -day corporate worship, that'd be a struggle for me. Well, and I was thinking my, my modern example is King's Kaleidoscope. One million percent. Love them. Yep. Um, I think they're one of the few groups I listen to that's super musically intricate. Right. Um, but Rachel can't stand them because it, <laughs> because it's, uh, she says it's, it's got, it's so busy that it's just noise to her. Yep. And there's that element too. Like if there's so much going on, it can distract from the words, which right. is kind of the point. Right. Well, and. You know, those that are listening may say, well, Josh, you hadn't talked about my kind of music yet. You know, so it's, you know, every version, every musical genre has excellence within it. Mm -hmm. Jazz has excellence within it. Um, Hip-hop has excellence within it. Classical music has excellence within it. Southern gospel has excellence within it. You think, I mean, David Phelps, you know who mm -hmm. David Phelps yeah. is? Yeah. One of the best tenors I've ever heard in my entire life. Ridiculous. He can pop out high C sharps like it's nothing in his sleep. Yeah, and and you know when I, I and I've gone and seen these guys before, and when I hear him sing, it's like man, they're so good. I wish I was that good. And then all of a sudden, it's like, wait, have I thought about my savior at all? Mm. And that's not to say that David Phelps' heart isn't right. Jesus could hit a high D, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> just just a half step above David Phelps. <laughs> um, but and, that, and that's not to say their hearts aren't right. And that's not to say that some people can't worship to that. I got plenty of friends that can worship to Southern Gospel. I got plenty of friends that can worship to classical. Plenty of friends that can worship to praise and worship. It, it's all about like with this camp, uh, this camp focuses too much on on the excellence piece. Yeah, for sure. Um, so let's get to the last camp, mm -hmm. okay? Um, and I put this in quotes. What is quote unquote theologically sound worship? Now, this camp. Tyler, it, I, I say this with my tongue firmly planted in my cheek. Okay. Okay? Because there are people... This isn't necessarily a, a specific camp in terms of style of music. 
Mm-hmm. This is a camp that says to justify what they do versus what other people do. They they just say this like very obligatory statement of well, our music we, we choose theologically sound music, so it, it might not be substantiated. Correct. I've been using that word a lot. Substantiated. Yes, correct. Like it's just kind of like a. I don't want to say like. <laughs> Uh, what's the word? Uh, gaslighting. <laughs> you know, it's not. Sure. It's not a gas. Sure. It, it's not gaslighting, but it's kind of like it is kind of a version of it, like where you just stare at somebody and tell them that you're theologically sound. And- yeah. Well, I'll use uh, Rachel's Rachel's grandfather, who's probably giggling from heaven as I tell the story. But like, um, so Rachel's mom in the church that we grew up in, her mom was the worship director at our uh, during our contemporary service, and then. My mother-in-law's father went to the traditional service. So okay. mother, father, or uh, sorry, daughter, father went to completely different services. And the daughter literally led the service. And I think Rachel asked her grandfather one time, uh, like, why, why, don't, why don't you come to the, the contemporary service with us? Because that's where, like, the rest of your family is. He's like, oh, those songs just aren't deep. You know, the hymns have super deep theological truths. And then, you know... The new stuff just repeats like three words over and over again. Now he's not always wrong. That is a that happens occasionally, but it, it's 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 kind of that same argument. You know, you know the stuff you're singing in that first service is just not theologically sound. Yeah. So. Well, it's like uh, they they hear words like "Here I raise my Ebenezer." Mm-hmm. What's an Ebenezer? Yeah, if you yeah, if you ask those people who love yeah. that lyric, T- tell me what an Ebenezer is. Uh, no, I'm not I, telling you to. No, I'm, but I'm, I'm going to. It's Stone of Help, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, how many people love that lyric? Have no idea. What have it means. no idea. Well, isn't that a guy from from Charles Dickens? You know, <laughs> you Scrooge. It, yeah. Well, his name was Ebenezer. You know, um, <laughs> it Eben Ebenezer. That that is a actually a, a theologically rich statement, but mm-hmm. you don't know what it means. So does it matter that it's theologically rich? Yeah. Um, it's no different than like for me. Like I, I look okay. I love worshiping in multiple languages, like with other, other you know ethnicities and other mm-hmm. people that speak in different languages. I think it's really really cool. Mm-hmm. But when they're singing in their language, if I don't know the song that we're singing, yep. who cares? All I'm doing is really supporting them in their worship. I'm not necessarily worshiping. Yeah, I did that in El Salvador. Luckily, luckily I knew most of the songs. Right. Because they were, I don't know if there's just like a cultural delay, but like they were playing songs that were like 15 years old at that point. Right. And I was just like, oh, this is a classic. But but that's, that's you got to be careful. Like these people are like, oh, we should be doing joined you know multilingual services every sunday mm. well i can see that there's a place and a time for it mm. um to show unity and show that we support each other but after a while if somebody who speaks chinese do- and doesn't speak english comes to a english speaking service for a long long time after a while they don't know what our theology is they they don't even know what we're saying yeah. so so i think that when it comes to things like, like here I raise my Ebenezer, and you wait on somebody, um, you wait on somebody to tell you what that means, and they don't know, but they just know that it's theologically rich. You don't know that it's theologically rich because you don't know what it means. Yeah. So that's where this camp. A lot of times, their their words are very, very poetic, mm-hmm. and very, very strong. It's almost Shakespearean. Mm-hmm. But it takes a PhD to understand what it actually means. <laughs> sure. You know, and and that's not saying that it's bad. That's not saying that it's wrong. Mm-hmm. It's saying that to the normal person that says, Why well, I have to have theologically rich music. And then when you actually ask them what these theologically rich statements mean and they, they can't look at you and explain it to you. Mm-hmm. No, you don't actually need theologically rich uh music you need a theologically rich education yeah well and let's not confuse theologically rich for 
word rich. Like, yes, you can still have the same theologically rich truths explained in simpler terms. Correct. Yes. And honestly, they uh, what's the phrase like? If you can't, if you can't explain a concept at an like a more elementary level, then you don't really understand that concept. Um. So let's let's not confuse big fancy words for theological depth. Right. Yes, one hundred percent. I'm trying to find. Let's see here. So, um, the the that song specifically. Come thou fount. Yes, love that song. Here I raise my Ebenezer. Here by thy great help I've come, and I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Well, good lyrics. I'm not say fantastic. Good lyrics. <laughs> Um, the average person, and I'm not putting an age on that. Mm-hmm. If I read that to them and they, and, and let's say they have heard it a bunch, mm-hmm. the average person doesn't know what that means. Um, it's definitely one of those songs you, you preface before you play. Um, uh, maybe not every time, but every other time, maybe let's explain what Ebenezer means before we sing it together. So that the puzzle pieces connect. Here's another one. Teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above. Mm-hmm. What's that referencing, y'all? Yeah. Well, to certain to certain people, certain denominations, it references multiple different things. Sure. Praise the mount I'm fixed upon it, mount of thy redeeming love. That one's a little easier. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. Oh grace, to, uh, oh, oh to grace, how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. I'm constrained to be. Tell me what that means. Let thy goodness like a fetter. What's a fetter? I still don't know what a fetter is. Bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Mm. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. I love that lyric. I, I completely, you know, like. I literally just the, got goosebumps. They, they're great lyrics <laughs> yeah. if you understand them. But it takes study to understand them. So this camp that say that uh, I have theologically sound lyrics and worship. Well, what scripture inspired that song or worship service? Mm-hmm. I actually agree with that. You, scripture should be the driving force in terms of like what, why we create the services that we create. Yeah, our worships are theology, so it's it's going to be healthier in the long run to have it rooted in scripture. Well, and and there was this thing with praise and worship music for a while, and people like worshiptogether.com, um that when they started posting their songs, they got tired of people saying, oh, there's no scripture to back that up because they didn't put anything like, because in the hymnal, like there's like a, there, there's always a scripture at the top yeah. of every hymn that yeah. says, you know, this is what, you know, this is what this hymn's about. And some of that is so loose. Um, mm-hmm. But um, so worship together was like, okay, well, we're going to gather scripture to support what these songs were were written and, and and stuff like that is is really helpful. I think. Yeah. Um. Is there enough scripture to back up this song or service? Well, here's all the scriptures that support this song. Here here are all the scriptures that designed this song. Hmm. Um. But one of the things that I hear from this camp a lot, I really don't like what we did today. So I'm going to pick it apart theologically. <laughs> there has to, in my opinion, there has to be a better approach to that. You should pick a song a, a song apart before you it gets into a worship service, right? Yeah. Um, and it should be because you care about the heart of worship, not necessarily because you care about whether your agenda is met or yeah, not. Preferences, yeah. I, we should do that for the whole service. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm a firm advocate that your your pastor, your teaching pastor preaches the word to you but like don't just take his word for it like go to scripture and sure. see, see what they're talking about sure and and make sure you're the conclusion you come to see if it's consistent absolutely so yeah um there there are some things that you know this camp does you know do, do we call call things theologically sound because it simply backs up what they're the secondary agenda that they're trying to accomplish mm-hmm um, I think this is a pervasive thing in our in our 
church culture today. Um, today I tweeted out something, not that anybody follows me on Twitter, anybody cares about what I really think, but I just kind of... <laughs> I, I care. There's been a lot of things going on in our world and in the Southern Baptist world this week and really the Christian world at large. Mm-hmm. And, like, all these people are just quoting Scripture left and right to back their political stances on things and their and their social their social agendas mm-hmm. and um see if i can i don't have my phone on me but basically it was like you know be careful be careful about what you what you how you use scripture how you mold scripture to go with your agenda that's yeah. kind of like attaching a, a rolls-royce jet engine to a moped that's what you said yeah love your metaphors because and you may you may get where you're going, but you may die and kill a lot of people in the process. Sure, sure. And and everybody wants to use theology to back their secondary tertiary agendas, mm-hmm. and we got to be super careful of this. This is going to suck the life out of our churches if we don't watch out. Yeah, it's got to be the other way around. Yes. Instead, in, yeah, instead of having the agenda and using the scripture to back up your agenda. Scripture should inform what your agenda should be. Or Scripture should be your agenda. Yeah. yeah. Scripture that is would, your agenda. Yeah. You know, um, Psalm 23 should be your agenda. Mm-hmm. The book of John should be your agenda. Uh, the book of Romans should be your agenda. And just live by it. Yeah. Just live by it. Don't, don't say, well, you know, I have a lot of friends that say this issue is correct and this this or this side of this issue is correct, and this side of this issue is wrong. So let me go digging in the Bible to find some scriptures that'll back up what they say, so that our camp's okay. Yeah, maybe out of context. Yeah, probably all out of context. <laughs> probably out of context. Um, you know, I I just it's one of the, okay. So so that's one of the things I love about we have a a, a pregnancy center here in Fredericksburg, mm-hmm. and um. Christian Johnson is a is a good friend of mine, just a great guy. He's the CEO uh, and the director of the preg- pregnancy center, and you know I I I support the pregnancy center. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reason I choose to support the pregnancy center is because Christian actually cares about these women mm-hmm. and their children, and that they're raised up and that they learn about who God is. And they have the opportunity to accept the gospel. That's why he does what he does. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, that speaks volumes about who he is as a man and what his organization represents. Mm-hmm. They care about the spiritual well-being, number one, the spiritual well-being, the thing that we believe will go into eternity, either in heaven or in hell. They want to care for that first yeah. And then they want to address the tertiary stuff. Yeah. I mean, let, let's remember that, like, lost people are going to act lost. Correct. And that even if they have what we'd call, like, a culturally maybe forward, out in front sin, that sin is not the issue. Sin in general is the issue. Correct. Them not being in a saving relationship with Jesus is the issue. Correct. So let's let's talk about saving relationship and salvation with Jesus before we deal with the the logs or the specks in the, the eye. Yeah, the other stuff. It's yeah. other stuff. Is it stuff that needs to be dealt with? Absolutely. But let let the gospel and let Jesus and the Holy Spirit take care of Holy, that. Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, he is so much better at yeah. dealing with this stuff than you will ever be. Well, and let, let me clarify that. It's not that you can't speak into that. Sure. I'm, I'm not telling you to be silent, but let's, uh, we said this either last episode or the episode before, let's keep the main thing. The main, main thing. thing, yes. So how all this relates to worship, I know we kind of fell down the rabbit hole. How all this relates to worship, don't create an agenda so that you can hear the music that you want to hear mm-hmm. and use it under the guise of theological soundness. Mm-hmm. It better be theologically sound. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't need to be about the instrumentation. Mm-hmm. And going back to Worship War One, that is both on the traditional and the contemporary sides. Oh yeah, of that. Well, and I, personally, I struggle with this. I mean, I am caught caught by a song musically before I'm caught by it lyrically. The lyrics matter. 
Yes. The lyrics are the thing there that's going to inform your behavior mm-hmm. and elicit a... It should be the thing that should be informing your behavior and eliciting a response. Yes. A guitar lick shouldn't be. A guitar li- A guitar is going to burn up one day. An organ's going to burn up one day. A piano's going to burn up one day. A drum set's going to burn up one day. These lyrics and what we learn from them and what we gain from them, what God lets us glean from them, mm. we will take into eternity with us. That's right. So the- theological soundness does matter, but don't get it twisted. Yeah. Don't say that you're talking about good theology when in reality you're just trying to skirt your instrumentation agenda by. Mm-hmm. And that's something that happens on a regular basis, regular basis. So let's all be better than that. Yep. So uh, next week we will talk, or I shouldn't say next week, the next episode we're going to talk about um, the good, bad, and ugly of emotional worship. So we'll come back to that and then we'll kind of break it down the way we did uh, the other worship wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for now, I want to uh, go to uh, yay, nay, or, or pray. pray. Um, so one thing uh, Tyler and I are going to do, um, and w- when we get Bailey back on, she'll do she'll do some of this too. Um, uh, we don't want to just keep nailing songs um, in terms of like, should we yay, nay, or pray this? This kind of, so this, this yay, nay, or pray is more of like a, hey, before you go and read that article that supports the agenda that you want to mm-hmm. back, um, just because it sounds like it supports it, let, let's talk about how, let, let's make sure we do our research and and know what's healthy and what's not. I, so we're going to look at an article to get today, Tyler. Mm-hmm. Um, you, have the, you have the link right there in front of you. Yep. We're going to look at this article. It's called 10 Worship Songs We Should Stop Singing. I'm not going to tell you where we got it from, what blog we got it from, because I'm not about to embarrass anybody. That's not what I'm trying to do. Um, but, uh, this person, this author, okay, uh, clearly has an agenda and I'm going to show you what we're talking about. And this kind of feeds into what we just talked about a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I would say before you go grabbing articles and saying, this is correct, you need to pray about it. Mm -hmm. It's not always a yay. It's not always a nay. You need to pray about it. And here's why, because when I start saying some of the stuff, this guy says, or girl, I don't know, um, says that uh, is not theologically sound or is conflicting. Come on, bro. Come on. You got to be kidding me, right? Or come on, sister. Or sister, yeah. Yeah, we don't know. Okay. So he, this person gives 10 songs. The first song is Blessed Be Your Name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. The song literally is about blessing the name of God. Yup. He says you shouldn't sing it. Yeah, we're just gonna say he from here. No, yeah, it's, it's just, just it's just gonna be the easier. They, he, they, she, whatever. <laughs> um, next song. I'm I'm just going through. As the deer, as the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. Really? Isn't, isn't that like that line at least almost directly out of scripture? Yeah. Because I don't think people just <laughs> like to use deer analogies in worship. I feel like that's a. I feel like I remember that coming from scripture directly. And like, I don't know. I just don't get me started. Like, this is an overcomplication of an issue. Um, he talks about the over, the decontextualization. I, and I, okay, I I get it, but literally the song is based on. You know, the need to have our Father. That's what it's about. Mm-hmm. Y'all, there is no perfect metaphor out there. Josh gets some pretty good ones, but. <laughs> There's no perfect metaphor out there for defining what worship should look like. like it's, it's, there's just It just isn't, because metaphors are created by us. It's just, it's not out there, so give it give it a rest. Next one, one thing remains. Your love never fails. It never gives up. Never gives up on or Never run, run, runs never, out. No, yeah, that one, okay? Yeah. Um, now, this is from Jesus Culture. Jesus Culture puts out some interesting stuff sometimes, but this song in particular, one thing does remain. When it all else fails, God doesn't quit being God. Mm-hmm. He doesn't quit being love. Even when this world passes away. He's still that. So I, once again, like 
bro, you 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 just don't like you just don't like this. You just don't like the style of music. Because you go on the next one, Oceans by Hillsong. Okay, now I will tell you, Oceans is a is always been a prey for me. We did Oceans with our students, I think at Grace Weekend. Isn't that right? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. I think it was Grace Weekend. Um and you know, it doesn't specifically mention the name of Jesus, but it does talk about the Holy Spirit. Mm. And um Spirit I, lead me. Spirit lead me, where my trust is without borders. Now as a as a I'm so I'm so sorry. <laughs> when you understand the Trinitarian model of worship, when you understand it, really understand it, you will get off of this like that the Holy Spirit isn't the same as Jesus thing. Like, like in terms of like, how do I want to say this? Because they're they're not they are the same person, but they have different identities within the same person. Well, explain the Trinitarian model. Okay, so the Trinitarian model of worship. This is oversimplification, but basically, the Holy Spirit prompts you to worship. Mm-hmm. Jesus takes your worship and perfects it, and then He gives it over to God the Father as an as a purified act of worship. Yep. Now, um, that that is contextually, we believe that, like as uh, Southern Baptists, for example, we believe that Jesus literally sings with us, based off of Hebrews two. We believe that Jesus literally sings with us in the in the assembly. It says that he does. It says that he sings over us, mm-hmm. and he and he and he sings among us. So. We, Jesus has a very important role, but just because Jesus' name isn't mentioned doesn't mean that it's not worship. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit plays an equally important role in the Trinitarian model of worship. The Holy Spirit's the one that says, Hey, Tyler, you see this revelation of who I am? Worship me because of who I am. Mm-hmm. Or, better yet, the Holy Spirit's the one that says, Hey, here's the, the scripture you're reading. This is what it means. Now worship me. That's what it so Holy Spirit is important. That's why I don't just go off the deep end with oceans and oh, we can't ever sing this song. No, you can sing the song because it's a it is appropriate to acknowledge that the Holy Spirit has a role in how we behave. Well, and the Holy Spirit's inside of us. Like it's the Holy Spirit is he is literally present. Literally present. He's alive and well in you if you believe in Jesus. Yes. So stop with that. Stop. If you don't like Hillsong, just say you don't like Hillsong. It's not your cup of tea, but move on. <laughs> it's okay. You can say that. But it doesn't mean you can't be worshipped to it. It doesn't mean it needs to be disowned. Oh, this next one, man. This next one. Amazing grace, my chains are gone. This is a ama- <laughs> He's grabbing his eyebrow right now since you can't see him. He's, <laughs> he's, I feel, well. He's having an existential crisis. <laughs> my chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior, what do you want from me? Like, that's what, like this song is is about releasing, uh, accepting the grace of God in your life, so that you can. It, it's literally the gospel. Yeah, I know. I'm reading the little the little paragraph this person wrote, and I guess it seems like their main argument is that my chains are gone. The the chorus that um chris tomlin added he just doesn't think it fits with the theme or the context of amazing grace i disagree just based on the main verse or the the first verse correct but like i think i think that's just reaching that's a what's the phrase that's a reach and it, yeah it's just i think i think we're just reaching for something that is less of an issue you might be like oh yeah i don't think it connects but it's it's truth so. Well, and one of the things that he says, um, he obscures the continuity of the original hymn um, and portrays God as a white knight, romantic leading man, or an alpha male. Well, uh, number one, I, I do think God is is alpha. Oh, yeah. Literally, he's the beginning, like, and Jesus is the groom that comes for his bride. Yeah, like, it's like that, it's that. A, at some point that you're you're cherry you're you're attempting to cherry pick here, um, 
It's ridiculous. Let's keep going. Sorry, I can talk about that for a long, long time. <laughs> How he loves John Mark McMillan. This okay. So this has just been a song that's kind of highly debated uh, for a good bit of time, simply because there's a lyric in there about un like the the one that David Crowder used because David Crowder took the song and remade it right, mm-hmm. and um, John Mark McMillan used the lyric called it was sloppy wet kiss, yep. and then. Uh, David Crowder took it and changed it to Unforeseen Kiss just to make it a little more poetic and less, some people say, explicit. Yeah. Um, it's just kind of odd. The The whole thing's kind of odd. Um, but I, once again, I would still say, Tyler, that this is a this is not a nay song. It's just a weird song. I mean, if we can still put God of Earth and Outer Space in our hymnal, <laughs> you know, there's a place for how he loves. Our, our NASA hymn. Right. Um, but... But yeah, so the the first line of this part of the article says the melody is noodly, like noodly, and nearly unsingable. And I'm not that great of a singer, but I've literally led this song. It, it's uh, he loves us, oh how he loves us, oh. What how. I meant to say earlier is we're grasping for straws. Yes, yes, that's it. We're gra- he's grasping for straws here. He he he's just going up top. Let's keep going. Number four. How great is our God? Boo! Get out! Boo! Why is it on the list? I mean, let me see. Let me look at. Oh man, he wrote a lot about this one. Yeah, he did write a lot about this one. I mean, I, this song has been. Uh, I think the the verses are theologically sound, and I mean, yeah, how great is our God? Even says above when, all names. When you first hear it, it sounds good, even with some biblical imagery. But w- but you wait and wait for it to tie everything together. How great is our God? That does tie everything together. Yeah, uh, Godhead three in one: Father, Spirit, Son. God's pretty great. Yeah, name he, above all names. It's literally this song is the definition of Trinitarian model of worship, like it, it, of acknowledging Trinitarian model of worship. I just don't get it. Um, Doesn't need talked about. Moving on. Yeah, moving on. Our God, same thing. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Is he not those things? Uh, And he's using the same argument for how great is our God. Yeah, see number four. No, 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 no. Bridge is literally scripture. Bro, if you got a problem, if you have a problem with, if you noticed all of these songs fall within, so far, fall within, a certain genre of music. If you got a problem with genre of music, just say that you that's not your cup of tea. Just say that, and that's okay. Now, number two it, changes it. Now, up. here we go. Number two changes it. Victory in Jesus, also known as the Southern Baptist National Anthem. Okay, um, I actually <laughs> don't have a problem with Victory in Jesus. I heard an old old story how the Savior came from glory. But we'll just move on. We just, we say that's a yay because we do that song. Yeah, and in our and it's first g- service. it's it's theologically sound. There's nothing wrong with that song. All right, and I'm hopefully this next one will This is the this last one's the nail in this guy's coffin for me. Revelation song. It's scripture, bro. And it's so good. That's the to me, this is the song that marries music and lyrics. In my opinion, I could sing this song once a month for the rest of my life and never get tired of it. He says, he says, part of me really wants to like this one. It bothers me how it turns the heavenly liturgy of revelation into a personalized claim and promise of love. You are, he's referring to the lyrics. You are my everything and I will adore you. So will you not like I, that? That's where like, so, so God isn't what you're saying is, is that statement. I'm asking a question. Is what you're saying here, you are my everything, and I will adore you. You're saying that that isn't true, or because it interrupted, or it, it was it was put into another thought that it's incorrect. Yeah, I mean, with he says all... its trinitarian focus is nebulous. No, it's not. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, the lyric he's fighting. Uh, is uh, so with all of creation, I sing praise to the King of Kings. You are my everything, and I will adore you. Like, isn't God the Godhead? Isn't that going to be like our entire focus when we're in heaven? Correct. I, I literally just my everything. So I know we kind of sounded off on this article, but the re- the reason I wanted I, I wanted them. to do that, okay, and I know we've gone long, like we're almost on at an hour, Tyler. We just 
gone. Sorry. It's okay. Sorry. Thank if if you're still listening, thank you. Listen in two parts. Um here here's the thing. When you look at someone's opinion online, it is you you need to look at it through the lens of that it's simply just that. Mm. Someone's opinion. Um in in my opinion, and this is just my opinion. This is not me claiming this is perfect truth. I'm sure there is something that can be contorted or changed or looked at through a cer- certain lens and I I am incorrect or I could be incorrect. But in my opinion, there is a tone in this article of just not wanting someone else's method to work. Mm. You almost want them to fail. Yeah. You almost want them to not work. I think we all struggle with that. I I get that. Until we get to the realization that we do that and we feel dumb. Well, but but Tyler, here's my hang up with it. This is why doing these articles, an article like this is a nay for me because in my spiritual journey at my first church, I did not want a contemporary service. I was raised on hymns. That's all mm-hmm. I knew and by at age 19 when we brought a contemporary service to my home church, um, I did not want it. But as I matured spiritually, as I dug into the Word of God and I started finding out that, hey, maybe the 20th century traditional hymns isn't exactly the way the early church worshipped either, mm-hmm. and that over time we've learned to worship in new ways, mm-hmm. but never abandoning the theology of like healthy theology, as long as it had that peace, I think we're, I think we're okay. Mm-hmm. It took, in my opinion, this is not me saying that I'm more spiritually mature than this person. I, I, that's not my, that is not my, it's not my place to judge that. I don't know him or her. But in my spiritual, my my growth in my faith and in my spiritual maturity, I reached a point where it was less, it was less about my preference and more about God's presence. Mm-hmm. Josh is wearing a hat. I got him for his birthday. It says "Prez over pref, presence over preference." Yeah, like at some point, at some point, we've got to step back and say, "My expectations don't matter in regard to a sovereign God." It's not about me. It's not about me. Mm-hmm. It's about Him. And if you cannot agree with that, then I sincerely, lovingly question whether you are actually saved or not. Because it's either he's God or he's not. Scripture is very clear about that. There is no in-between on some of these things. No. There is no gray area. There's no, well, you know, no, he's either God or he's not. Not a demigod. Yeah, and... And either your preference is your God or it's not. Mm -hmm. And if it's not, then you just, you bring your gift, you bring your ability in your hands with open hands and just set it down and say, Lord, what you want with it is yours. In fact, my ability and my gift you gave me, so really and truly that was yours in the first place, so just take it. Yeah. Just take it. Yeah. So, anywho. Anywho. We got on a soapbox and we did a tap dance on it. I enjoyed this one. This was good. This was really good. That's the longest episode we've ever done. An hour and 25 seconds. We will plan to put this into a two-parter separated. Yeah. See if maybe, we can figure it maybe out. a week apart instead of two weeks apart yes. if this happens again. <laughs> yes. Take a tip Take a tip of the hat from Craig Groeschel instead of doing a monthly podcast, do, do a bi-weekly podcast for this one or whatever it is. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, if you want to check more, uh, check us out more, you can go to uh, spotswood.org and slash uh, spotswood creative. Mm-hmm. Um, or it might, I think it may just be creative. Oh, gosh. We should know these things. We should know these things. I can't remember off the top of my head. Or you can check us out um, on Facebook or Instagram with the handle at Spotswood Creative. Um, we, uh, we release stuff on there. Uh, this, uh, these episodes, we try to put them out every two weeks. Um, and we hope you guys love it. Um, Tyler, you have an update on what it is? It is forward slash creative. Forward slash creative. So Spotswood.org at forward, uh, and then forward slash creative. 
Um, and that's you can check out more about us there. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Send us a message. Uh, you know, you can send something in our DMs. Send and we questions. Will, so, yeah, send some questions that you want us to talk about. We're trying to develop um, our episodes for the fall. So send us questions uh, so we can address them. We'd love to do that. Mm. So, Tyler, this is the end of this episode. Y'all, keep it 100. Boom. Boom.